Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Here in the studio, it is Let's Ian. Let's go to the hop. Peakless Mountaineer. And the Reverend Captain Kickass is here. Both of y'all have some kind of related stories looking at international finance, if you will, or money, international money, money, money. money situation. Money. Uh, you've got, Captain, the, uh, the Saudi Arabian government considering now taking other currencies for their oil. That's which right. Which would be a big change. Now, I feel kind of like this has been going on for some time. Like, they just keep printing the same headline over and over again. Are they now getting more I, serious about they, considering they taking... Keep, they keep talking about it. So, okay. I mean... Where there's smoke, there's fire, generally speaking, when it comes to this kind of stuff. Uh, the reason I brought it in tonight was because there were actually two mentions of it that I ran across uh, in my, you know. In the news? Just, you know, my social media and my news viewing and that kind of thing. But uh, I wish they would just stop talking about it and just start doing it. Like, why is this such so a hard I, decision? But, right. Well, oh, I can tell you exactly why this they're, is such a hard decision. They're going to get invaded by the U.S. government? Is that yeah, why? Yeah, okay. pretty much. So mm-hmm. seriously, the second that they sell one single solitary drop of Saudi Arabian oil for anything other than U.S. dollars, the entire economic system of the planet collapses. No, come no, on. No, absolutely, absolutely. So that's that's one of, a little extreme. No, I, I think that is, that is exactly where we're at. So one of the biggest draws for the United States dollar, one of the things that maintains its status as the world reserve currency, in spite of all the things that America does, in spite of them not letting certain countries have their own money, in spite of uh, losing their AAA credit rating, all of that, a big part of that is that they are the best source for oil, and every country needs oil. The vast majority of our our food comes from oil. Our heat comes from oil. So the fact that you have this access to the the best sources of oil, because it's China, Saudi Arabia, Russia, and the United States are the big sources for oil. Okay, so. And this is the thing when uh, when they closed the so-called gold window, and they no longer traded gold even to other countries for U.S. dollars. What they replaced that with was the petrodollar system. So that was where they negotiated the system where NATO, or sorry, not NATO, uh, OPEC, mm-hmm. and especially Saudi Arabia, being the lion's share of uh, oil producing and exporting countries, made the specific agreement that any two countries. No matter who they are, wherever they are in the world, if they're trading this oil, they have to use dollars. This was, in fact, a a big part of why uh, uh, Saddam Hussein got overthrown is because he started selling. He started using doing all of this trading in oil, not in U.S. dollars, but in euros. Yeah. And we saw a similar thing with Gaddafi when he said he was going to go to the gold standard. Exactly. And like, well, they just took him out. But okay, but that doesn't explain to me, at least why you think that there would be this economic calamity for the entire planet. I understand that it would put the dollar's world reserve status in jeopardy and that it would probably start whittling away at that, but it's not going to be an overnight crash. The entire financial system of the planet is founded on the U.S. dollar being the the world's reserve currency. Now, as soon as these massive sources of oil can be get can be gotten for any other thing as soon as you can take you on and trade that for oil all the countries of the world go oh well i don't have enough you on if saudi arabia breaks its agreement to never trade in anything but dollars that that eliminates one of the biggest reasons that countries are holding on to dollars Great. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, right? it's like, wonderful. Okay. I, again, I've been I, waiting for this Black Swan event for years. Okay, well, you were making it sound like this would be like total economic disaster for the entire planet, and I just don't know if that's true. The shakeup is going to be rough. And sure. No, I'm, I'm saying, uh, okay, I am saying that it is going to be a complete financial me- meltdown, mm-hmm. a complete financial collapse of the entire system. Talking about stockbrokers jumping off roofs wonderful. and stuff. Oh yeah. Oh okay. okay. Yeah, the, and yeah, you will see the the same kind of like uh, nineteen twenty nine uh, phenomena from mm-hmm. that. But yeah, and and yeah, it's going to be a, a complete collapse, which I think is great and I think entirely that's exactly necessary. What we need. Yeah. I mean the the. The idea of an entire planet running on fiat is completely insane. Well, right. this won't change what's, that. What's so oh, funny to me, 
What's so funny to me is that since the advent of Bitcoin and the thousands of other cryptocurrencies that exist, uh, the standards for currency have risen, right? Because cryptocurrencies mm-hmm. are far more. They're far more valuable, in my opinion, because they can do more. That's money with programmable features, something mm-hmm. that fiat currency cannot and does not and will not ever have, mm-hmm. right? So as cryptocurrencies evolve, we're seeing fiat currencies, that is government sponsored government controlled currencies by these uh, central reserve banks uh, we're seeing them now have to become competitive with each other in order to remain sort of relevant on the global market and so as these fiat currencies attempt to compete with each other what they have to do is they have to at least at the very least come up to the standard of cryptocurrency which they can't do. which they can't do it's right. not going to be possible so all they I, have is the cbdc the central bank digital currency idea right. which is just another you know another level of control total right. control for fiat people Right. So what it's doing is it's revealing fiat currency as the monopoly money that it actually mm-hmm. is. Yeah, but that said, I, I mean, I appreciate your optimism, and I'm also optimistic, although over the long term, I don't think that Saudi Arabia saying, yeah, we'll take uh, the Chinese yuan and we'll take the euro. They're not going to – They're the odds that they're going to say, and Bitcoin – Oh, it doesn't matter. Or well, near no, zero. No, no, no. I'm not no, even talking about the countries matter. accepting. I'm just saying that fiat currencies, that which is government-sponsored money, are not only entering a war sort of with themselves, mm-hmm. right? And that is the yuan versus the dollar versus the rupee versus you know all the, yeah. the state-sponsored currencies. They're entering a war with themselves. But because this other thing exists, known as cryptocurrency, there's now a standard that these fiat currencies like we'll be forced to strive to achieve they're never going to do it but because there's this other thing out here they're going to be forced to attempt to and that's why we're going to see the cbdc's and things of that nature they're going to be forced to attempt to come up to that standard or at least create something that is interchangeable with that but my whole point is that all currency should be competitive. And if your sure. currency that, that you're pimping, whether you're a state, uh, a local organization, or a decentralized thing, uh, should all be on the same playing field competing with each other. And that's how it should be. And the one with the or ones with the most value for your chosen interaction are the ones you should use. If mm-hmm. it doesn't have any value, if I'm doing a, an exchange with Peakless Mountaineer, and it doesn't make sense for me to exchange in yuan. Why would I? I should use the currency that is the least cost and the most valuable to the two of us in our individual exchange. So as soon as you have a competitive market, okay, now you have monies competing on their actual value. So you're saying Bitcoin will finally be competing on a more fair basis yes. in the, the world market. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and the second you have people actually analyzing this and going, oh, wait a second. One of these things is not like the others. Mm-hmm. All of these are printable. All of these have no cap. This has 21 million permanent absolute cap. So it's going to rocket in terms of value. Mm. Uh, gold also would rocket in terms of value because you have a fixed stock to flow ratio just in terms of what is physically capable in reality. There's only so much and so fast you can mine gold. So it has a natural limit on how quickly it can be printed where no no paper currency does. So once you have these currencies actually uh, fighting on their own merits – you're going to see uh, you're going to see the best one winning. It'll be more clear, right? To people, okay, okay, and that may that may eventually lead uh, places like Russia or Saudi Arabia Arabia to say, all right, we will take Bitcoin because they were teasing that earlier mm-hmm. in uh, in yeah. 2020 after the Ukraine invasion. We saw these headlines about uh, Russian central bank considering allowing well, we you know places Bitcoin like, payments, like, like Saint Kitts doing their Bitcoin Cash thing. We've got. Uh, is it Venezuela doing the Bitcoin thing? There's, Not really, no. There, there's another country doing the Bitcoin. El Salvador. Thing. El Salvador, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Uh, so, like, these are... That could spread. Yeah, these are, in my mind, uh, planting seeds, mm-hmm. right? Just like we talk about planting seeds of freedom and liberty and peace and, you know, the non-aggression principle, all that kind of stuff as we go throughout our daily lives. I think we're seeing that happen with cryptocurrency around the world. You know, Keen is a seed, Right. In and of itself, as you know, this show being one of the pioneers to first talk about cryptocurrency, free talk live, that is. 
uh, Keene, New Hampshire being one of the first communities to have multiple places accepting cryptocurrency. That's mm-hmm. a seed. People who don't move here for liberty but come here and visit and and all that kind of thing they're like oh wow you guys take crypto that's you know you yeah, see the bitcoin yeah. like we we are uh if anything else an early adopter of future technology for showing sure. that it can for be sure. done and so are these other places and as these fiat currencies begin to compete with each other they're going to have to innovate that's the only way they can increase their value is to innovate. The only way to innovate right now is to compete with what already exists. And outside of the realm of government fiat currencies exists cryptocurrency. Well, that may take us to your story, uh, Piklos, which is about how apparently Iran and Russia are considering creating a gold-backed stable coin. Now, we have to explain for newer listeners what a stable coin is. Captain, yeah. you want to take a crack at that? No. Okay. Uh, a stablecoin is a cryptocurrency, generally. Now, it may be different when it's implemented by a government, but yeah. generally a stablecoin is a cryptocurrency token. In my mind, it sounds like what they're doing is this. Saudi Arabia's going, okay, we want to take more than the dollar, mm-hmm. but we also don't want to get bombed right. by, by the U.S. So let's just lob a couple softballs out there going, hey, you know, we're open mm-hmm. to taking other currencies. And see if that, like, you know, sort of pokes the bear and angers the mm-hmm. giant. And if it doesn't, then perhaps we will go ahead and accept these currencies. Sort of test the waters, see uh, yeah. if uh, see if anyone bites on this. Like, uh, what kind of back channel talk is going to happen? Like, what kind of, oh, well, we're going to threaten sanctions on your right. friend over there. Right. Well, wasn't it all doing this? Wasn't it already Saudi Arabia who a few months ago, the king or whoever it was, refused to return Joe Biden's phone calls? It sure was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a really interesting thing that's been going with this. So uh, there was so much pushback after the murder of uh, uh, Kamal uh, uh, Khashoggi. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying By the Saudi Arabian government. By the Saudi Arabian government, uh, who was like a Washington Post. uh, uh, Yeah, some journalist. Journalist. So there was so much American pushback on that that they had to reduce the amount of support that they were giving for Saudi Arabia's genocide in Yemen. Mm Mm-hmm. And they reduced their support so much that they upset the the Saudi prince, who, I mean, it's a it's an absolute monarchy there. And at this point, the prince pretty much uh, does all of the day to day work on there. So like he runs this country. Mm-hmm. So he's upset that the United States is not uh, murdering their enemies and helping them murder their enemies completely. So this is, so that's been part of what's driving them into the arms of Russia and China at this point. So uh, so part of this is this whole, uh, uh, oh, well, I'll go this far. Well, what are you going to do if I go this far? And they're sort of testing the waters, seeing how much of a response they can provoke by doing this and by doing this. But one of the things that's fascinating to me on this, so China has worked diligently to make certain that it is not the new reserve currency of the planet. And with good reason. So China's whole, like, their, what is holding them up and moving them forward as a country is their manufacturing base. Mm-hmm. They are the world's manufacturers. Everyone knows, oh, you get your cheap plastic crap from China. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Everyone knows that, and China wants to keep it that way. But the thing is, you can either have a manufacturing base or be the world's reserve currency. You cannot do both. Because the second you become the world's reserve currency, your dollars are so valuable that your local uh, your local merchants can't afford to keep making things because no one will buy them. Ethereum has been absolutely killing it on, uh, hey, we're the ones who run all of the decentralized computing. If you want a token, get it through us. Uh, and they've been just dominating that side of the market. And I honestly don't think that these two are really compatible with each other and should be compared with each other. But since they're both forms of cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. they get you know compared with each other sure. as the, well, you're the 20-ish percent, you're the 40-ish percent of this single market. But the uh, people haven't really figured out what it is yet. So which True. side of this is going to is going to be more powerful than the other hasn't been decided. Yeah, we don't know. And there's also the entire possibility that they'll go, okay, well, why don't we put everything that Ethereum does as a layer on top of the protocol of Bitcoin? 
So that is a that remains a possibility, in which case you will end up seeing both of them explode and no longer be. I think that's totally possible. Right. All right. So we were just getting into this news (laughs) about Iran and (laughs) Russia possibly introducing what's called a stable coin, but ostensibly backed by gold. And what we were saying before the break was that there are problems with stablecoins, and the problems with stablecoins all stem from centralization. Right. So the benefit right. of a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin mm-hmm. is you can't pin it down. There's no one office. There's right. no Bitcoin corporation where there's a board of directors that can all be targeted and taken out or infiltrated Beautiful. or whatever. So, And they don't have one specific server location where the servers can go down. It's decentralized. It is distributed. The blockchain is this ledger that is public, and it's distributed over thousands of locations, Ten, I think 10,000 plus locations all across the planet. The miners are all over the planet, so it's diversified, and it basically can't be stopped. With a crypto or with a stable coin, it's riding on the back of a cryptocurrency that is diversified and, you know, decentralized yeah. like like Ethereum. Yeah. But it's being issued by and controlled by a, a smart contract, mm-hmm. which was written by some corporation or some individual or whatever. And this corporation does have a board of directors and they do have a, a head office somewhere on the planet. Yep. And they do have a centralized bank account or a vault with gold in it or whatever it is we're talking about that the stable coin is. Because, again, one stable coin is usually, quote unquote, backed by a thing whether it be a dollar or an ounce of gold or a, a gram of gold or, yeah. or whatever. If you want to be able to redeem this for something else, you have to have a place to do it. Hi, this is Sean Miller. I'm the uh, president and executive director of the Liberty Policy Alliance. Uh, Bonnie mentioned you to you guys, I believe. Oh, hey, Sean. hey, Sean, what's uh, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, not so much. I was just told this would be a good opportunity to talk about my org, so I just figured I'd call in and your award my, show? My, uh, my, uh, our new libertarian policy organization. Okay, well, what is it? You said the Liberty or Liberty Policy Alliance? Yes. What does it do? Uh, so we're a brand new libertarian policy award. We're primarily, we're a bunch of form, we're a bunch of former YAL guys, Young Americans for Liberty. Mm-hmm. And we decided that we were going to take what we learned, take our, take our knowledge from the Liberty movement and start applying it on the, uh, applying it in a much larger scale. We're going to be fighting for policies like constitutional carry. We're going to be fighting for criminal justice reform. We're going to be, fire, we're going to be fighting for uh, stuff like ranked choice voting, getting felons not just their first their voting rights back, but their Second Amendment rights back. Okay. Sounds a lot good. of big stuff. And this is on a federal level that you're fighting for this stuff? Uh, we're going to be fighting in state legislatures across the country. Gotcha. Great. We're going to be starting with uh, Florida con carry because Ron DeSantis is running for president, and I don't think anybody doesn't believe that at that point. But we're also looking for big things in New Hampshire as well. Like, like there, I saw there was a – I saw Bonnie speak on DMT decriminalization and deregistering. So that's going to – something like along those lines is what we're looking – stuff like that is what we're looking to fight. Did you feel like there uh, there were other organizations in the libertarian movement that just weren't focusing in the these areas? Part partially, yeah. We were just, we were, but it was more about that we felt we were ready to spread our wings. We were we wanna we wanna be a a booster to the the already existing libertarian orgs fighting on this mm-hmm. on this. On these issues, that's why we call ourselves an alliance. We're looking to coalition build, and we're also just not going to be working with libertarians. We're going to be willing to work with Republicans who agree with us on our issues, Democrats who agree with us on our issues, okay. and we're just going to be we're going to we're going to be we're going to be we're going to be here. For, my my idea is to be here for the long haul, and hopefully, our our message, our organization's like motto is liberty in our lifetime, okay. and we talk about it all the time where individual liberty is the most is arguably the most sacred the, the most sacred belief in the in the united states amongst the liber, amongst those in the libertarian movement here, here. and we want to and we want to we want to do our part to spread that as a message and not be and try and try our best to be the, be the shining try to be a shining example for others 
who may come in behind us. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're willing to work with the Republicans and the Democrats if you agree with them. Yeah, the inclusive model is very cool. It's the only way you're going to get anything done. That's the way that uh, it works here in New Hampshire, where the liberty activists who've become state representatives... They're willing to work with anybody that agrees with them. They're they're going to reach out to the Democrats to try to get some drug reform uh, put into place uh, this year and, and so on and so forth. So I think that that definitely works. Of course, it helps when you actually have libertarians in office, which we have here in New Hampshire, and you pretty much don't have anywhere else. Sam is in uh, Ohio. Go ahead, Sam. You're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, Ian, I was just curious how your trial went. I remember that you were getting ready for that a while ago, and... Hope it went well for you. No, no, it didn't. Uh, I mean, I thought the trial went pretty well, but the jury result did not go well. I was found guilty of all eight counts. So uh, of all, all victimless uh, counts that so ostensibly that, that we would argue that? that the prosecution didn't even prove beyond a reasonable doubt not. or even close. Well, of course not, because uh, the only victim was the bank. Yeah, well, they didn't even end up saying that later on. Like, that was what they, that was something they filed early on in the case before they dropped all the fraud charges prior to trial, the so called fraud charges. So, like, I don't even think they're claiming the banks were victims at this point. I think that was something they filed. There wasn't. There wasn't any. And in fact, they admitted as much in court. They they said that the banks were not victimized. The victim is the state. Uh, People got their feelings hurt because people didn't ask permission first before selling something that they shouldn't have to ask permission to sell. So that's what this all comes down to. They're looking at a maximum of 20 years uh, in prison. The sentencing will come up on April 14th. We do have a website, uh, a post over at freetalklive.com. If you go to letters.freetalklive.com, there's some uh, suggestions there as to if somebody wants to write the judge, they can do that. You don't send the letter directly to the judge. You send it to me. I give it to my attorney then it will presumably go from there into the hands of the judge. So you can't contact a judge directly. That's called an ex parte uh, communication, and they just, you know, you can't do that. Uh, but uh, but that is a possibility. So if you're really upset about it, uh, cool down, and uh, you, go to, you can go to freekeen.com. You can read some of the coverage there. Uh, our friend Chris, our Friday night co-host, did just incredible work. Uh, he took three weeks off from his running a business. Yeah. And he went into that courtroom every day and took down as many notes as he possibly could. Like, it's not quite a transcript, but he did a damn detailed Closest job. Closest thing you're going to get without spending buku bucks because <sighs> government charges you for that crap. I don't even want to think about what this transcript is going to cost yeah. because in order to appeal the case... Guess what you have to order. I, I was gonna say, don't oh. you don't you just get one because you're no. the really? Oh, oh my no. god. Oh no, you Whiskey gotta pay a Tango Foxtrot. You gotta pay three dollars and sixty something cents per page of this transcript. Are you oh yeah. For that lasted for ten days. A ten day long trial. I have no idea how many once pages. Once you have it, is. can you post it? It's probably double spaced too, you right. know. <laughs> so they can, but once you have it, can you well, post and that's, it? Yeah. And that's for the digital copy of the transcript. Oh, wait. The, yeah. the caller asked, "Whatever happened to freedom of speech?" I'm sorry. You live in the United States of America. There is no freedom of speech anymore. Yeah. No. no what I meant is, in terms of why didn't they provide it for free? I figured that would fall under freedom because of they don't serve us. Yeah. Nope. They don't. I wish they. Uh, I wish it was a better system, Sam. But it's terrible, and we all knew that going into it. It's Once just... you have the transcript, can you post it? Like, yes, that really? is true. Okay. I would be able to do that in will, and I do intend to. Uh, I mean, if I'm going to pay God knows how many thousands That's of what dollars, I'm, saying, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be ten grand or more. I have. I have no idea. One of the reasons why Bitcoin was so revolutionary was it doesn't require trust. As long right. as the math is good and you can audit that, yeah. uh, then it's a trustless it, system. It doesn't require human trust. Right. Right. You don't have to trust in an entity right. or you, a government or an math. individual. Right. You trust that the math and the cryptography is solid. And that's why Bitcoin is worth now, I think over $22,000. Yeah. It's been on a, it's been on yep. a run up uh, recently. So that may, leads me to the question of... If you can't trust these centralized corporations, and you can't, can you trust the government? Oh, can. can you trust Iran and Russia? Are they more trustworthy when it comes to issuing a stable coin or well, not? Well, they are more trustworthy in two ways. Number one, they're older than 10, 20 years. True. So you're, they're probably going to be around for another 10, 20 years or way more. Mm-hmm. So the, Less so, likely to go bankrupt. Yeah, they're less likely to cease to exist. Yeah. 
Uh, and number two, they're a lot harder for the U.S. to just go, this is mine now. That's true. The U.S. government isn't going to be able to just waltz into their vault and take all the gold. Right. Okay. That's true. But their or, governments... Or for that matter, just to say, hey, we're taking you to court now. Yeah. So, But the, on the downside, they are world governments. Uh, they're evil, number one, because they're governments. And number two, we know governments lie. So can you ever trust that they actually have the gold that they say they're go- that they're backing the stablecoin with? And further, can they be trusted to actually redeem the stablecoin for gold? Right. Uh, and, you know. and are they going to allow you know, third parties to inspect their their gold stash, so to speak? Good question. And I don't know why you wouldn't, because you're trying to compete. So you may as well actually be on the level about these things. I do love... And heck, invite people in to, like, sure. yes, come see the ball. I, I do love anything from this sort of a perspective that forces governments to become competitive. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Because the more that that occurs, the less government they become. Mm-hmm. And this is these are the the shudderings and shakings of the new world that is breaking loose. Is that we see these little movements toward actually having to compete as currencies? Because right now currencies don't actually have to compete; they're all crap. It and the reason that oh well the dollar is up against the rest of them is because it is less crappy crap than the rest of them. They are all losing purchasing power but look the dollar's losing less purchasing power than say in turkey where they're where it's like an 80x uh uh loss of purchasing power. and that's the correct way to look at it but what the mainstream media says when that happens is oh the dollar's up the right. dollar's stronger yes <laughs> the like, dollar is up like, no, it's against not. other crap right. dollars if you look at the price of eggs you know the dollar is not up right okay Indeed. yeah <laughs> that's just one example the price of everything is yeah. going up yeah that's the symptom of inflation anyway yeah. tell me uh, what this story is uh uh iran and russia want to issue a new stable new stable coin backed by gold and who's reporting this um it's it's all over the place oh, okay. actually uh i think this uh this one's from uh coin telegraph but uh yeah it's all over the place hmm. Um, the potential stablecoin aims to enable cross-border transactions instead of fiat currencies like the U.S. dollar, mm. the Russian ruble, or the Iranian rial. The Central Bank of Iran is reportedly cooperating with the Russian government to jointly issue a new cryptocurrency backed by gold. Saudi Arabia's in uh, very heavy talks with China about accepting yuan for dollars means that they are already seriously open and considering accepting non-dollars for oil for the first time since the 1970s. Well, and why wouldn't they consider taking gold-backed or actual gold, right? Like, taking actual gold is hard to do. It's it's heavy, you know, right. it's a pain to deal with. But if you can get a gold payment in the form of this stable coin that is honored by whoever it is that's issuing it in return for, you know, okay, I want the actual gold, ship it to me, uh, then that would be really valuable, I think, more so to them than just taking in a bunch of yuan because they know yuan's getting printed. Mm-hmm. They know that all these uh, these fiat monies are just the, the printing press. This could be very attractive. Unlike mm-hmm. Bitcoin, one of the reasons why people don't want to take Bitcoin is because it's so volatile there is the possibility that it could go up 10 percent in 10 minutes or down five percent in the next five right like you never know Mm -hmm. what's going to happen with the price of that and when you're dealing with buying and selling a product day in and day out it can make life very confusing and difficult Mm -hmm. so that's why it's going to be hard for that to be bitcoin but if it is a a stable coin backed by gold maybe that could be attractive to them well and and What's amazing to me about this is so you have a combination of the two traits that people have been valuing for money. So one of those traits is, okay, gold is stable, and mm-hmm. and we know that gold is not going to go to zero tomorrow. And it's probably not going to drop by 10% a day. Right. It's not going to drop by 10% in a day. It's not going to go to zero tomorrow. There's going to be some real value to it. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that we've been really valuing is access to gold oil for trade so if you have something that has simultaneously access to oil for trade because this thing's being done by the number two and the number seven producer of oil 
and they're backing the thing by gold because that's uh, one of the big things that people are very, very uh, uh, concerned about cryptocurrency as well. What is it backed by? Mm -hmm. And if it's not backed by something, how can it have any real value? Because there's this sort of idea of bootstrapped value because things that have been traded with had to get there through uh, through being a barter system originally. This gold-backed uh, cryptocurrency sounds like the modernization of the idea of the OG, the old U.S. dollar when it was backed by mm-hmm. gold. That's exactly mm-hmm. it. I mean, the, the reason... Which was very effective. Yeah, the reason that, that the American dollar gained this prominence is because it was being backed by gold. And then they pulled the rug out from underneath. Yeah, exactly. prior to 1913, anyway. How would Goldback Inc. tokenizing excess goldbacks get them into trouble monetarily, like with the government? Because the government doesn't like to actually follow its own laws. And you are advertising, hey, we have a bunch of gold stored here. And they're like, ooh, we like gold. Yoink. I mean... I thought you were making a legal argument. No, I'm not making okay. a legal All argument right. whatsoever. I'm saying that uh, if you do that, it might work. Okay. And if it works, the government will not be happy with you. Right. That being said, uh, so then any other third party, fourth party, whatever it is, could just start amassing goldbacks and launch their own token, right? They could. Okay. I've, I've very con- uh, seriously considered doing this myself, and it would be easy enough for me to make a token uh, on the uh, Bitcoin Cash Network. And I say Bitcoin Cash because you can actually spend tokens on that without paying exorbitant fees. But again, storage becomes the the challenge. Right. Uh, you know, when you are doing a dollar backed stable coin, you can at least utilize a bank in theory to store the dollars for you. You can't do that as easily with gold. Uh, so you know, you'd have to have some sort of serious security if that was something you're going to do. That's why when Liberty Dollar did their thing, they used an, the actual mint with you know armed guards and that kind of thing. Of course, it didn't help when the government came. Obviously, they right. just walked yeah. right in and took everything out of there. Uh, so I mean, there's just so many risks involved. And how do you actually make it profitable? One of the, right. the challenges with doing these things is if you're dealing with actual uh, physical product and you have an actual place where that product is being stored if it's not just in your bedroom in a you know lockbox or something like that then you're going to have to pay somebody you, right. there's costs right. involved whenever you get any of these like gold backed debit cards which they have now there's a couple different options out there for that there's always a fee every month that right. you're being assessed for the gold storage. Somebody else is keeping an eye on your gold for you, and that costs something. Right. So, like, how do you make that profitable for the person doing it? It's very challenging. And, and this people used to be used to that before the currency system was ruined, because in order to have uh, what we would consider a, a, a savings account or a checking account, you would have to pay them to hold on to this if you wanted access to all of your money at any given time. But now that we've sort of ruined the entire thing where, oh, well, your savings account, I will also loan that out to other people. And so you don't technically have access to all of your savings at any given time. Mm -hmm. You basically have what's called drawing rights, which means you might have access to your savings if you get there before too many other people access their savings. I wish more people just understood the fundamentals of, you know, how something like the United States dollar actually works that uh, the the thing you're taught is that okay well you can't keep all your money in like your bedroom under your mattress or whatever and so you have to go put it somewhere mm-hmm. well first of all there's not enough dollars in existence for everybody to actually keep their own money anywhere right uh, there's just so few actual physical dollars in existence mm-hmm. that it would be impossible. So yeah. that whole thing gets thrown out the window. Most of the dollar is digital already. Mm-hmm. That's true. It exists only in this ethereal world known as the digital domain. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it can't ever leave. You cannot even, like, one of us could probably go to the bank and withdraw everything that we have in our bank account. Right, right. But if we all like the entire town of New then, Hampshire, like went on to the how same much bank. is in your bank account, right? Because banks only hold so many dollars, right? And then they, oh, well, I got to call in that other bank over there to bring it over here. Yeah, it, it's a, it's actually tremendously easy to cause bank runs in the modern era, right? 
And so if all of that is true, then what is the purpose of the bank? Right, Because the bank originally, at least if you believe what you're taught in schools, was supposed to be a very secure building with armed mm-hmm. guards yep. where you could put your physical money and it would be safe and you could pay a monthly fee for that service. Right, So what's the point of having a bank now? We got David on the line in Georgia. David, you're on Free Talk Live on the live Saturday show. Go ahead. Hey, good evening, guys. Welcome. It seems to me, it seems to me that like with uh, with fiat-backed stablecoins like the USDC and the Tether USD and things like that, that it would be a really bad idea to have them in a quote-unquote bank account. Reason being is because with a bank account, the government can come seize it anytime they want. Right. And mm-hmm. we all know that when you put your money into a bank account, it's not your money anymore. It's the bank's money. That's Hello, correct. Uh, sure. FD- FTX sound familiar to anybody? But it won't matter. I mean, if you have, uh, if you're running a dollar-backed stablecoin and you decide to build your own vault and put it in there, it isn't going to keep it any safer because the, oh, you yes know, the, the federal government's going to show up, and point a gun at your head, and then you're going to let them in if they know about it. They're going to know about well, it. They're going to find it. Well, even then, the fact that they actually have to send goons means that that is way costlier than them just calling up Chase and saying, "Hey, cost give us ten to send I mean look what they look at them. what they spent on raiding the Crypto 6. They had dozens of agents here for, you know, this raid on they this house. Yeah, cost them millions. thousands of dollars. That means nothing if they're going to go and seize 66 billion dollars from Tether. Still, the it, it you said it's not any safer and I'm saying it is okay, safer. That ain't much safer because dude. A, they have to know about it. B, they have to spend the money to do it whereas they don't have to spend any money to tell Chase to steal 10% of your savings. That's zero cost. And I get it, but it isn't going to stop them. And what's worse, it's legal if it's their savings. So 100% of your savings is not yours. That is what the courts have found because the whole point of it was, oh, you're getting a percentage on this. Mm-hmm. That means you are willingly engaging in risk. You are intentionally allowing risk to your savings now it's Mm -hmm. a little harder legally speaking for them to steal your checking account but your savings are are free game for them to just steal 100 percent of it at any time and yeah it's called a bail-in and countries have been doing it more and more frequently david yeah um another thing is that this whole uh russia and iran issuing a gold-backed stable coin um, I would actually be somewhat willing to to trust that and use it, um, as a temporary store of value, like as a as a trade for like say Monero, for example, mm-hmm. just as a, a temporary holding spot uh, before you know while Monero goes down, so I can get back into Monero at a cheaper price, just as a staying in the crypto world. Right, it because, serves the same utility as the other stable coins do. Right. Uh, but because, I think you're saying you would trust it more because of the same reasons we alluded to earlier, that it's less likely to you know, sort of go under. The, that is, the governments are less likely to go under than the issuers. Yeah. And, and good, luck, uh, good luck if the U.S. decides to tell Russia or decides to try to get Russia to give them the gold in their vault. Good luck with yeah, that. Yeah, that won't happen. <laughs> That much is true. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And one of the nice things uh, from our perspective on this is uh, that, as you were pointing out, if you're going to keep gold safe, okay, well, that is expensive. You have to hire guards for that. That means that uh, – and people are not used to, to paying a fee mm-hmm. for having their, their money being held for them. Even with targeting something like uh, uh, like library, I mean, sure, you are devastating this one cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. But how many cryptocurrencies are you leaving alone when you do that? Yeah. And, and also, it, it's only going to encourage these organizations to become DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, Library was especially uh, vulnerable to being targeted because the majority of its development was all being done in one place. Yeah. Whereas a lot of these coins and, and tokens and everything, the development is being done all around the world. So True. even if you take out right. this cluster of developers there are so many others even on that one coin and with a DAO, anything with a DAO, the incentive for development is correct and that is to say if you're a developer and you wish to earn you can go do some development on this one decentralized organization's token or platform or whatever it is that 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 they're doing and then you can get rewarded for your work 
And that in, that's the correct incentive. You do the work and you get the reward. That's the correct incentive. Not that, oh, I need my country to remain the largest empire ever, you know, that kind of a thing. So mm-hmm. not only do the people win, right, when when you have uh, the incentive structure correct, uh, but it also assists in cryptocurrency adoption. Yeah, it proves all of our uh, all of the points that we've been making for years about monopolies right. and about how you cannot have a monopoly for a long period of time because eventually the reward for breaking the monopoly is too large and somebody who's in this monopoly who's keeping together this cartel will break from the rest of the pack and try to do this thing. Yeah. And in terms of countries, El Salvador was the first one to break from the global fiat currency cartel and they went "Ooh, here's this chance and hey we're the murder capital of the world so like we kind of need a hail mary at this point so Mm -hmm. they were willing to take the big risk for the big reward and so far it is paying off extraordinarily well to them yeah it's and that's be... without the and that's without the value even returning to where it was right, right. Yeah. yeah and that's why i say it feels like it's a little too early to uh to be writing anything about how the experiment's going in el salvador because it's really we're only a year and maybe a, not even quite a half year like maybe 18 months it was i think september of 2021 when they finally rolled out the uh, Bitcoin experiment down there. I think it's interesting what you're saying about the Bitcoin bonds that they're offering, and it'll be very interesting to see how that goes, because now they're they're literally just saying to the Bitcoin people, hey, you can put your Bitcoin here with us, we'll pay you a return, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's as good as our government's guarantees are, which maybe that's going to last, maybe it won't, but uh, I think it's very interesting to look at that and, and see what's uh, what's going on. Well, and one of the big things here is that it's it's allowing them to create infrastructure that would never have been imaginable in any other way. So they have all of these volcanoes. And yeah, when you have that, you have the potential for geothermal uh, energy harvesting. But in pretty much no way is that ever going to happen under the under the existing financial regime of the planet. But because you can use that geothermal energy to mine Bitcoin, okay, so now you can get these bonds that are that are Bitcoin denominated, they're backed by a country, you can use the money that you're pulling in from those bonds to build the infrastructure to harvest the geothermal energy that you then turn around to mine the Bitcoin to pay off the to bond. Pay off the okay. bond. A lot of the the like fundamentals of the financial system in the world are breaking down right now. So like uh, uh, Japan's economy is uh, their market is so volatile that even Coinbase won't operate there anymore. Coinbase being uh, one of the largest cryptocurrency exchanges in the United States, if not on the the planet. So they were in Japan, but they now they're saying yep. goodbye. Yep they have they've told everyone everyone in Japan, look, you have until the sixteenth of February to get all of your stuff off of our exchange mm. and then we're selling all of it for yen and you can pick it up later because we are out of this country wow. this market is too volatile for us and with good reason <laughs> too volatile for cryptocurrency mm. that's correct mm-hmm. <laughs> is this because of the i feel like japan's been in the news for like doing crazy things yeah. with its currency like yeah, what's well, going on over well, there so all of their corporations are zombie corporations. Define that. So a zombie corporation is where you are no longer making a profit, basically. You can't make enough money to pay off the interest on your loans. Hmm. So you just have to keep rolling your loans over. And the only thing that's propping these companies up, and especially the banks, like 100% of their banks are zombie banks. And the only thing that's propping all these companies up is that Japan keeps printing more and more yen and they are and they can't even slow down oh. their yen production how is that different from what the u.s is doing because you just described the u.s ah they're not the reserve currency uh, is the difference okay. all right, all right. exactly nobody needs yen in order to buy oil mm-hmm. nobody needs yen to keep the u.s out of their backyard and and that's the problem so in order to prop up their their yen what they've had to turn to doing because they have been one of the one of if not the largest buyers of american treasuries Mm -hmm. which unless you have buyers of treasuries america can't print dollars 
Now, they can buy their own treasuries, but that really doesn't help that much. So if you don't have a certain amount of of non-Fed buying of treasuries, then they can't effectively uh, print money anymore. So the so Japan has moved from being, if not the number one, one of the biggest buyers of treasuries. It is now not only not buying any treasuries. It's selling them. It right? is selling treasuries, using the money that it gets from those treasuries to buy yen, thus propping up the value of yen so that it doesn't collapse completely in the world economy. But that puts this huge pressure on the American dollar. And at this point, things have gotten so bad. That, and I mean, as far as I see it, a, a, a coin exchange is essentially a very, very fast moving bank. They're essentially like a bank, but they move very quickly and they have to. So the fastest moving banks in Japan uh, internationally are getting out of there hmm. now. So I think this is going to keep snowballing. And hold Other on, international to, banks it, are going to start pulling out of Japan soon. Okay, so from Coinbase's perspective, why do they care whether people in Japan are using their exchange? Doesn't it benefit them to have people in Japan using the exchange regardless of what the Japanese government is doing with the yen? Uh-huh. Because if they are printing yen so big and so fast and you use a bunch of those yen to buy, say, Bitcoin, and then you pull the Bitcoin off of their exchange, you're trading worthless paper for wor- for actually worthwhile currency. Well, why couldn't they just say, uh, we're just not going to take yen deposits anymore? Well, we're we're it, getting rid of yen from the exchange, but if y'all want to come on and say, you know take Bitcoin and exchange question. it for Ethereum, we don't care. We'll take one percent. Well, because government, right? Like in Japan, the government's only going to allow yen to be like the major currency, right? Mental health issues are keeping Britain's younger population out of work at record levels at a time when the country struggles with a worsening economic crisis. According to Bloomberg, and of course over there, they're having trouble just paying the power bill because of the energy uh, situation that they brought upon themselves by sanctioning Russia. Mm -hmm. According to the data compiled by the Office for National Statistics, the country's young working age people are suffering from so-called long-term health issues that are keeping them out of work at increasingly alarming rates. The report shows there was a 29% increase in 16 to 24-year-olds citing long-term sickness. As a reason for being economically inactive. I mean, 16 to 24-year-olds should be, like, the healthiest group of people. You would think. Right? Except that it's long-term mental illness instead of physical illness. And so should 25 to 34-year-olds who 42% said the same thing. 42% of people aged 25 to 34 in Great Britain are saying... I'm just not feeling it. I'm too messed up to work. I can't think straight or whatever. Data reported for the second quarter of 2022 compared to the same period before the pandemic. The report indicates the youngest workers have been facing a recession and wages that fail to keep up with double-digit inflation. Oh, wow. Weird. Well, and here's the thing. like We are facing a global problem because we have one global money system and it's fiat. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, you can't just get away with fiat. It causes problems. And eventually Eventually. those problems build up. And one of the problems that it causes is, okay, when you have fiat, you can't save value in the money. Well, guess what? Humans need to save value. We need to in order to survive. That is how we don't die. So we will find other ways to do it. We'll save that value in stocks. We'll save that value in land. Okay, well, if you save that value in land, that means that the housing prices don't actually reflect the value of the house. They're the value of the house plus this monetary premium because everyone's using this as a as a vehicle for savings. Right. And that means that none of the young people who don't already have a house can ever, ever afford one. Yep. And if you don't give them the hope that at some point they will have enough of their bills behind them mm-hmm. that they can stop working, if you don't give them any hope whatsoever that that will ever occur, then of course you remove all of the incentive for them to bother. Right. I mean, even if there's a big housing crash, and there may be one on the horizon, given things are likely not going well financially, even if there's a big housing crash, 
if you're not working at all, you sure as hell aren't going to be able to get out from behind whatever bills you have to the point where you could even get a cheap house uh, because you're just not working. You've given up. Yeah, and I still think a housing crash will happen, but it'll probably be like the last thing to happen mm. because uh, it's one of those uh, you you always uh, fight the war that you just finished. So like all of the preparations now are for the last big collapse, and the last big collapse was all in the in the real estate market. The National Health Service digital data shows that one out of four 17 to 9-year-olds in Britain have have had a probable mental disorder last year, up from one in six in 2021. So even more people in a younger age are messed up in the head than previously. The number of inactive males with mental health issues reportedly increased to 37,000 last year, up by more than 100% from figures just 15 or so years ago and substantially higher levels than seen among women. So, I mean, the, you know, how does this get better? What is well, the-, the incentive structure needs to be corrected. Yeah. That's yeah. That, that's the thing you have. To, it, it really comes down to the agreements that you have with society. And right now society has no agreement with its youth. It has no reasonable expectation that things will be better in the future, that your work now will be rewarded. So the entire incentive structure is what the agreement is. Mm-hmm. So as, the, as we move to an incentive structure that is not completely insane and dishonest and backward, as we move to a functional incentive structure, a functional currency structure... These things will get solved. It's going to be painful first. It's going to be painful. It sure is. It's going to be the the storm first and then the calm. Which is why, like as an individual, in my opinion, it's wise to be diverse in what you have. Do okay? You've got some land. What else do you have? Is that all you got? You know, uh, maybe you should you figure on getting some different currencies, some gold, some silver, some crypto. Right? Have a variety of things at your disposal because you don't know how it's all going to play out and you want to head yourself against, well, what's coming. Well, that's, I think the best suggestion here, we've been talking about money things all night and it can sound like you have no control, right? Right. Like, Oh, this government's doing that. And this government's doing that. And all these governments are largely, you don't on a, on a global scale or even a nationwide scale. But you do have control over your own money at least for now, they haven't implemented the CBDC 100% yet. So right. you do still have the ability to do something. And that's what I think you know people should consider yep. is what sort of things can you do to protect yourself? You see what's happening in the price of things at the store. Yes, I Every, do. Everybody sees the price of eggs now, $5 for Six you know, bucks. the cheapest possible form of egg. Uh, you know, that's just one example. Produce prices up 30% in one month. I mean, th- this isn't just the writing on the wall at this point. This is like in your face. This is yeah. happening. It's it's occurring now. So you've got to figure out. And it ain't getting any do. better. Right. right. No, it's not going to get better. They're going to keep printing. You got a $1.7 billion or sorry, trillion dollar uh, spending package that just passed last month. Yep. And that's going to be another, there's going to be another $2 trillion in a few months. You know it. And then they're going to send another $100 billion over to Ukraine. And it's just going to keep going in the same direction it's always gone until something dramatically breaks. And you want to be ready for that as best as possible when that happens. And the thing is, you see these pieces flying off the ship left and right right now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's still going, but not for long. And what's amazing right now is that you actually get rewarded for not participating in their villainous system. We got Renee calling us in Louisiana. Go ahead, Renee. Yeah, my thing is, uh, my concern, because I'm a worker, uh, is wages. I mean, uh, I've seen a lot of history about it. Every time you raise the wage, the food go up, everything go up. Uh, My thing is, like uh, Borg said, the Supreme Court nominee that wasn't a Supreme Court guy, you can't legislate morality, but damn, man. I mean, how little... Should an employer pay a worker? How long and how much should they work them? I mean... uh, Well, the big problem with wages, we have this inflationary currency, so that means prices keep going up. 
And the wages are the slowest thing to change. So, like, the, the cost on goods and services, that's easy to change day to day. But how often do you do you talk to your employer about how much they're paying you? Now, if we had something that was going the other way around, then the fact that wages take so long to change would be great because then your employer would have to come to you and ask if you will accept a lower wage. Well, right now, there's never been a better time. I mean, from what I can tell, not having not being an employee in my life and thankfully not having to do that for the last most of my two decades. But uh, but I can see the signs around town. I can see the absolute desperation yeah. of business owners right now hiring all positions right sign has been up at so many different uh businesses for months and months if not more than a year these people cannot find help which means well, if you're a good worker and you're working at that place you have the leverage to where you can go to the boss and say hey look i can go across the street or i can go across town and they're willing to pay me more for my services but if you don't they? give me a raise. But are they? Because, sure, they're all hiring, but you'll notice very few of them will say how much they're hiring at. A lot of them will say, actually, if you go to um, Aldi, the grocery store here, they're starting at $16 an hour. So, Renee, what are you dealing with down south? Are they? Uh, do you want to talk well, about what you're getting paid? I'm, I'm, I'm like 54, so I'm angry from the past. Right mm-hmm. now, I've explored many jobs. I used to be... a uh, that can on a boat. I, I had a captain license. Now I have a CDL working for a trash company. Okay. And I'm getting paid pretty good. But I see the crappy end of it when I was working in a hot sauce plant, killing myself for a small paycheck while they're making thousands and thousands of right. dollars. Mm-hmm. My, my thing is, if you listen to Fox News, they swear that the big capitalist guy is like godlike spinning wealth out of nothing. And like God, I like divine, uh, divine right. He gets to pay as little as he can. When history shows that uh, Henry Ford believed in paying his work a top dollar and not working them more than 48 hours because he said they weren't good after that. You want to talk about misery and being depressed is when you have this vision for something you want to do. And a lot of people that are just workers, they don't ever go after anything like this or if they do try it then they get shut down like this kid that wanted to start up his own garbage business somebody that has a vision somebody that has a dream for something that they think they would be good at and then they look into it because they're actually willing to try it like they've got enough money saved up and they're like all right now i'm gonna buy that garbage truck i've been thinking about and then they find out that there's some bureaucracy that is standing in their way and that will not budge, no matter what hoops you jump through, that is true misery. Because it is it is someone who has a calling. Somebody who... And you may be laughing, oh, he just wants to take out garbage. Somebody needs to do that work. And there are actually people who enjoy it. There are actually people who... They get pleasure from cleaning up a mess, right? right? Like, that's something they like to do. And they know they get paid well for it. So, it's like, I can do that job. So that so that's their that's their dream that's what they that's their vision that's what they wanted to accomplish and then some government bureaucrats said nah can't do that yeah well and here's the disconnect of uh, of the whole labor argument is that what they don't see about this is okay yes you do have this uh, this company owner or what have you paying a crap wage and you have this worker who has to accept a crap wage and that's an intolerable circumstance but the way that you get out of that is that some other person comes along and can compete with them and can offer you a better wage where like okay they're making this much extra and okay i will make some extra but not that much extra so I'll give you the difference. Now you attract all the workers over here. But if you stop someone from coming in and competing, that is what stops anyone from offering the workers a good wage for their labor. Yeah. And so people who call for regulations on business are unwittingly actually doing the businesses a favor yeah. by protecting them from well, any new innovators who might enter that industry. And there's just so many people... In the world, much less the United States, that just don't even have a clue about how the monetary system works, about how money itself even works, what money even actually is. And so they they immediately go to the self-centric 
you know, definitions of it, and, and they worry about themselves. And I, I detected a bit of that from our, our last caller where, you know, he's concerned about his wages is really what his call sure. is like, I'm concerned that I'm not going to be able to maintain the wages I'm earning now, much less earn more in the future. And it's a real concern, and it should hopefully spark him to go on a self-education quest to find out all of the things about uh, even the rudimentary stuff about uh, fractional reserve banking and how the monetary system actually works. Well, and and some of the real truths about how money works are not obvious until you see them from a certain angle. So, right. like, we think that, okay, X product is worth Y number of dollars. Like, that's what we think. Okay, uh, a dozen eggs is worth $5. Well, that's the thing. That's never true. A dozen eggs is worth less than $5 from the person selling it and more than $5 to the person buying it. Mm. It has to be or else we will never come to an agreement on what we will exchange. So it isn't worth $5 to anybody Mm. at that point. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more. All for free at freetalklive.com.